Good morning, church. Welcome once again. I hope that these messages have been encouraging to you and whoever you may be listening to. And uh, please be patient with us as we work out some of the technical issues that you might have noticed last week. This morning, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 2. Neglecting our salvation. You know, I have, since the summer, tried some gardening. Or rather, I tried to grow something. It was not very successful. That's beside the point. But... After my failure, I I had to wonder, you know, was I diligent enough with the process or careful enough? Did I do enough research into that type of plant? Was I too casual about it? Did I neglect to do something or not do something? You see maintaining something or nurturing something or preserving something requires us to be diligent, to take it seriously, the task at hand. Last week, we looked at the supremacy of Christ and and the theology of that. This week, It ties in. The author warns us to take heed his words. And what happens if we don't take it seriously? He uses the term to neglect our own salvation. Have you ever thought about that, that phrase for a moment? You have to think about it twice. How do we neglect our salvation? (laughs) He was talking to believers here who have received salvation as a gift, who have been eternally sealed unto glory. But to neglect our salvation is an interesting combination of words. (laughs) This morning, we're going to look at verse 1 to 4. And he warns us about three things that can cause us to neglect our salvation, to let slip the words if we do not take these three things more seriously in our Christian walk. So let's read Hebrews verse 1 to 4. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, pray. Let's jump right into it. Therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape 
if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Lord, please be with us and help us to understand these words, to take what you have said more seriously and to watch ourselves to not neglect our salvation. Amen. So verse 1 is the warning. Therefore, we ought to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. The author is including himself in that, and he says, <clears throat> because of chapter 1, because of the supremacy of Christ, we need to give a serious consideration to the things that he have, has said. We can't take it lightly anymore. Um, a, a more honest, a more reverent look at what Christ has said. He said, lest at any time we should let them slip. You know, if we think of the word slip, <clears throat> we're walking and we slip on a wet floor or we're, um, we're, we have something in our hand and it slips out of our hand. The main cause, or for me, is absent-mindedness, casualness. When Robin is running in the rain, she loves to do that. We tell her to be careful, watch where you're going. When she's carrying something that can break, we tell her, carry it with both hands, watch what you're doing, be careful. To treat the situation seriously, because absent-mindedness, casualness, irreverence, will let it slip. That's the warning. Now he says, verse 2 and 3 <clears throat> tells us these, these um, or 2, 3, 4, tells us the areas where we slip the most if we do not consider it seriously. He says how, um, in verse 2, <clears throat> so the first point, the first point is, God is faithful to his word. He says what he does. If we are not mindful of the words of God, we can forget, we can let slip the fact that he says what he does. Verse 2, for the words spoken by the angels was steadfast. Sure, certain, constant, and every transgression and disobedience received a just 
recompense of award, of reward. <coughs> Transgression and disobedience um, takes sin and in all of its aspects. To transgress is to uh, willfully sin, to, to uh, do acts of evil and harm. Disobedience is more the, um, the doing something other than what you're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing my chores, but I'm watching TV. <laughs> or I know I'm not allowed to do this, but maybe a little bit is okay. Disobedience. And it, it, it takes sin as a whole. Received a just recompass of award. <laughs> Not in a good sense, a just, a righteous, um, those things got due, duly punished. <clears throat> if the words spoken of by the angels were steadfast, we made a big point last week about saying, if you saw an angel with countenance of lightning fearfully standing, you're, you're trembling in your shoes, and he tells you to do something, you're going to do it. And he says, this is the way that you receive this word that is steadfast, that God has never let um, <coughs> there's, there's, there's always been what God says he will do. In Deuteronomy, it says that when Moses received the law, there was a host of angels with God. <clears throat> and I think um, you can even extend this to the, the literal word in Greek. Um, uh, angelos means messenger. <clears throat> and many times um, we translate the word angel, but it refers to human messengers, like Revelation chapter 3. <clears throat> that... It's also encompassing uh, God's angels, his messengers, the prophets that received the word of God for the people and wrote it down. And this is what, um, what they revered and what they looked to. This is God's word. We received it through his messengers. If this is the case, <clears throat> how shall we escape then in verse 3 if we neglect so great a salvation? <clears throat> Isn't God the same God? In the Old Testament, sin was punished. God um, dealt with humankind in extreme ways. <clears throat> the man that reached out to stop the ark from falling was struck down. Why? Because God says he is holy. And there is a chasm between us and him called sin. And there is no exception and there is no loophole That's what happened. 
God is holy. He can't change. What has changed is that in Christ, we have been forgiven and we have been restored in our relationship to God and we can approach his holy throne in prayer because uh, Christ has made a way. It doesn't mean that God is less holy or we are less sinful. That's just one example. He says, why do you think anything has changed in that regard? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I love this incredibly intentional word choice. How do we escape something that we have neglected? We escape something that's chasing us. We try and escape something that is after us or that has captured us. But we don't escape something that we have neglected. Well, in this case, there is no escape. Here's point number two. <laughs> if we neglect, if we forget or let slip the fact that God has made his word clear and plain for all to know. He says, this greatest salvation which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. We don't have any excuse of, I didn't know. Christ in Matthew even teaches that better is it for Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of judgment because you have seen and heard the risen Lord. You, you have seen the Christ and you still reject. You think you're better off than a, a city full of wicked rapists and murderers and sodomizers. Sorry, I'm just catching my breath. You see, the message of salvation, of God's love and mercy towards us of the the true nature of the kingdom of god and the person of christ is made clear in scripture <coughs> and how we live and walk uh, in faith um, knowing what we have been forgiven of and living humbly in obedience to the word of God, how to do that and what to do in relation to who God is, is made abundantly clear 
we do not have an excuse. It's been spoken of by the Lord and confirmed by those who have heard him, the apostles and the letters and the, the building of the church over almost um, a, a lifetime after the cross. Um, there's a quote from Spurgeon I want to read. I found this very cool. He explained this when he was preaching on this passage in one of his sermons. A very skillful bowman went to the mountains in search of game. All the beasts of the forest fled at his approach. The lion alone challenged him to combat. The bowman immediately let fly an arrow and said to the lion, I send thee my messenger. From that from him thou mayest learn that I myself shall be when I assail thee. In other words, I'm sending this arrow to you. <laughs> this is my messenger. This is just a taste of what is coming. When I get to you, it's going to be worse. The lion, thus wounded, rushed away in great fear. And on a fox, exhorting him, so he met a fox, exhorting him to be of good courage and not to run away at the first attack. The lion said, you counsel me in vain, for if he sends such a fearful messenger... How shall I abide the attack of the man himself? It's a warning, admonitions of God's ministers fill the conscience with terror. What must be to face the Lord himself? <coughs> not a single encounter with an angel did the people not fall on their face in terror. And here we have the Lord's own words plainly and clearly given to us. And number three, <clears throat> that God himself supports and authenticates these messengers. You think, yeah, but I haven't heard Christ speak. These are copies of copies of what people claim he said. You know, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. <clears throat> In every instance, of a miracle in the Bible, it was almost always to affirm the messenger and the message, to authenticate and validate and authoritate the message and the messenger. That was the purpose of someone going out and performing a miracle. <clears throat> you know, we. We don't see that today, yet 
we, we're constantly looking for it. This is this great emphasis um, to hear a voice and to hear an angel speak and to uh, see a miracle happen. <clears throat> it upsets me to see that. <laughs> we have never in our history since this seen miracles committed by individuals to this extent and to this uh, infallibility and, um, and um, level of authenticity. It's, we can fill a phone book with people claiming to be prophets just in Whitbank. Why am I bringing this up again? Because this is exactly what chapter 2 is trying to say. <laughs> Why are you waiting for a message from an angel? Or some revelation from a, a, a self-proclaimed prophet. Yet, we don't make five minutes a day for the very words of God recorded for us to read. We're looking for uh, intermediary. We're looking for spectacles. Yet there's, there's, there's nothing more divinely true and authoritative than what we have written here. Why are we not taking our Christian faith more seriously? Why are we finding excuses to, to disobey, to um, move Christ up in our schedule? <clears throat> to be so casual about something that we need to be taking so seriously. By the way, I do believe miracles do happen. God can do anything he wants to. But he has chosen to close the revelation that he has revealed until Christ comes again. It says so in the book that I believe is true from cover to cover. That is God's will, that we search the scriptures for divine truth. I do not believe that there is any individual with the authority or the ability to perform a miracle to heal, to speak in tongues, to receive revelation from God. Because in every instance, it has weakened and produced shallow faith. Why are we seeking to strengthen our faith? The writer of Hebrews asks, do you not know the supremacy of Christ? Are you not taking his words seriously? Stop 
listening to self-proclaimed prophets. Stop looking for miracles and signs and revelations and words and dreams. Start looking in the scriptures and taking it seriously. You want to know how faith is produced? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Why is your faith weak? Why are you doubting the faithfulness of God? Do you not know who he is? I've come across so much casual dismissal of the Word of God lately, recently. It's something so real and present in people's lives. He was talking to believers, and as believers, do not neglect the working out of your salvation from the day you got saved to the day you die and the Lord takes you home. Be diligent. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you warn us and encourage us and show us where the pitfalls are, where we can slip, where we must be mindful of our Christian walk, that it, it takes effort an effort that we will gladly expend. We thank you that you give us the strength and you equip us. And I pray that we may remain dutiful and humble and obedient. And these things are, are wonderful things. Prune us that we may be not rebellious, to your word, but we may consider every single one of them seriously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day.